0: Three, two, one. We're on. What's up, Mike McIntosh? What's going on, bro? We're back. we're back. Lots of things going on. Yeah, Monday morning. Monday morning. Yes, and the reason we're here on a Monday morning is because I quit my day
1: job. Congratulations. Yeah, it is what it is. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> yeah, sort of. <laughs> sort
0: of. Uh, we got a lot of different things we can we can cover today. Sure. It was funny though, so I just threw it out there. I quit my day job. So I used to I was running a company. Within my, my family, they had, you know, my mom in particular, she owns multiple things. I was running one of the businesses for, her, and I just got to a point where I had to get out and uh, just feel like I have to focus on different things, things that I feel like I can fully express myself, I guess, is sure. the best way in terms of what I'm looking for. And it just got down to the point where just the effort that I was putting out, the satisfaction I was getting back was not enough for me to stay involved with what i was doing sure. that's, that's the easiest way to put it and it was funny last night i was thinking about it and i guess this is just shows my entrepreneurial roots in a lot of ways uh, when i was a kid mm-hmm. i would sit on the bus going to school and i would look at people in their cars okay. and i'm not kidding this is from the Er, as far back as I can remember, I mean, I'm in like grade school, childhood, yeah, and I'm looking at people driving in cars, and I'm going, I'm a prisoner. I'm on this bus. I'm going to this place where I'm gonna have to do, you know, what they what they tell what me they tell do. me to do yeah. all day long, and I'm stuck on this schedule that I didn't create. And then I'm looking at these people and them driving in their car to wherever it was they were going. In my mind, represented a freedom of choice. So like at the earliest age for me, the most important thing for me was having the ability to
1: make my own choices. So you were born an entrepreneur pretty much.
0: Yeah, I or just a free human being that didn't yeah. want to be shackled by the conventions of the stuff going on around me. Right. You know, you go from your parents telling you, you know, get up, eat this, do that, go, go to, to bed, bed yeah. do your homework blah blah go play this sport do that uh just this like scheduled life never sat well with me right so translate that up to now anytime i've ever had what i would call say a job when i was working for somebody else i I, went back to that bus feeling yeah where i'm looking out and i'm saying I need the freedom to make my own choices. Working with people is not a problem. Working for someone tends to be an issue for me, the way I'm wired, where if I have ideas that I'm not able to fully express, I start to feel like I'm trapped. When I'm working with people, it's different because working with people, I still have the freedom to make choices and we work together to create solutions. I don't like being told what to do per se, and i've not minded it completely i also have to throw out there this background noise we're hearing is the fact that we are literally in the That's middle the rain again? of like a monsoon here in new jersey and the metal roof on our our space is just getting pounded but um yeah the it's being told what to do i have to really believe in that i've wor- i've been part of organizations i was part of you Karate organizations I was part of. Different martial arts organizations that were very structured. Mm -hmm. And you basically had to do what you were told. You really didn't have a lot of choice. But it was my choice to be in that situation. And I truly believed in the things that the organizations were doing. And then I would leave when
1: When it wouldn't be
0: that way anymore. And that's just the way I've always kind of rolled. And, uh, yeah, I I have a a guy in the gym... uh, I'm going to have him on the podcast, and we'll talk a little bit more deeper about it. But we were talking years ago uh, about his sitch. He, w- he was in a sitch. He was married, had a job he didn't like, all this kind of stuff. And I basically told him, if if what you get from your job affords you a life outside of work that you like, shut the fuck up.
1: Yeah. You told me that once a while ago, too. You know? <laughs> yeah.
0: And, and he was like, wow, that's kind of harsh. And then he hit me up the other day, and I was like, yeah, I'm out. As a Sunday, I'm out. And he was like, holy shit. He was like, That's going to be a big financial hit. And I said, yes, but I live by my rules. Right. Like, I told you 10 years ago what I told
1: you, and I still live by it. Yeah, you live by example.
0: But it, it's not that I... I guess I don't know it's weird. there's certain ways that things get phrased that that bother me. I had some of the other day it's admirable like there's nothing admirable about doing the right thing. It's the right fucking thing right There's nothing admirable about not doing shit you don't like for money. It's not admirable right that's human like we we've changed a lot of our We've been changed. A lot of us, we let society beat us down to the point where we do a lot of things we don't like to do, but we feel like we have to do it because we don't understand that there's an alternative. But if you know there's the alternative and you go for the alternative, it's not the admirable thing. It's just the right thing. Sure. So I don't want praise or credit, whatever. You know, but all I'm going to say is I straight down the line, there's not much I've asked people to do that I'm not willing to do. And I think that's what creates the strength in a lot of the relationships that I have with people. Yeah. So, you know, even with you, there's you know, anything that I've asked you to, like, we've talked about business, whatever. I'm not throwing anything out that I haven't done. Like, I don't tell you to put in hours that I haven't put in. I haven't told you to try something that I didn't find success in or whatever. It's just it's kind of the way I roll. Yeah. Yeah. I guess it's uh, authentic is important to me.
1: It's clear. It's transparent.
0: Yeah. I just try and be an, as authentic as I can with it. I don't like to... I don't like to. Uh, I don't. I, I just don't want to be un. I don't want someone to look back and be like, you know, uh, well, he wanted me to do it, but he wasn't willing. No, I gotta. It's gotta be battle tested for me to be talking about it. Absolutely. You know, that comes from the martial culture side of it too. So. Yep. Yeah. So, free and clear. Free and clear is right. Free and clear. Me too. I, I can now like fully pursue whatever I want on my own timeline and I am in complete and utter control as I always have been, as we all have. But, uh, you know, it's my choices, my timeline, things work or don't work completely up to me.
1: So what are you going to do with all this free time you got? I don't have,
0: Besides, I don't have free time. No, no. Cause, uh, basically, I mean, I, you see things happening and whatever. So I knew, I knew the end to that other thing was coming. So, been focusing quite heavily on what the next step's going to be. I can't, I can't blow up everything I'm doing, but I've got a lot of things in motion right now. I'm starting to work with some athletes that I haven't had the time to work with. I'm putting in more time with guys like Carl, who have, you know, Carl's fighting May 12th, UFC 224. He's actually going to be the swing bout. He'll be the last free fight on Fox, May 12th out of Rio. I've got. Are oh, you se- going to Brazil? Yeah, so I have to go to Brazil. Wow. So I'm leaving for Brazil two weeks before my second son is supposed to be arriving so I'm shitting my pants on my wife's actually there's a there's a fucking chance that my wife's gonna have this fucking kid while I'm away and I'm gonna freak out I'll never live that down but no you won't but at the same time you know you gotta do what you gotta do sometimes whatever I don't know not everybody understands that but my wife does and that's all that matters so I've got Carl's fight coming up Uh, got a couple guys i'm working with i'm starting to work tomorrow with this guy sean teed who's he's fighting on the contender series
1: dana white's contender series this summer oh he's coming on that
0: and then i that uh, was the
1: same thing carl was on right when he that's got the break? one
0: that carl gave him his break then i've got uh, another fighter we just picked up steven regman steven is a very good fighter uh just picked him up we're we're gonna see what we can do for him you know, uh, he's working with Sucker Punch Management now, so they'll kind of get back to me. But he'll definitely be fighting this summer, and Phil is defending the Rand Combat Belt in June. It's just going to be a busy fucking summer with that side, then with the business. Uh, and the other stuff, yeah. Yeah, just, just a lot going on. It's all good. It's all really good things. Yeah, it is. Every single thing I've got my hand on right now has potential to scale real well. It's good
1: stuff, man. And uh, It's all know, positive. Yeah. All positive. Yeah, it's just got
0: to keep moving forward. And then with you, um, so last time you were on, you were representing East Coast Karate. Yep. And the development that's happened in the in between is that East Coast Karate and Killer B are... Pretty much coming together, and you are shifting your kids program from Seagert over here to Oakhurst. Wall, at Wall Township. From actually. Wall, Wall to from Wall, Wall to Oakhurst, and now you're coming to Oakhurst, and you're going to be running your kids program in conjunction with all the other programs we have here at Killer B.
1: Starting tomorrow night. Looking forward to it.
0: Yeah. So this week you're doing Tuesday and Thursday just to kind of get back in the schedule, and then we're trying to figure out what what the uh, actual what your full time availability will be going forward. But yeah. What
1: time are we going to do that tomorrow? By the way. What time
0: you want? 5 5.30, to, 530 to 6.30? 5.30 to yep. So 5.30 to 6.30 this Tuesday and Thursday, we're going to bring get some our kids wet. in. Yeah, let the kids come in and get a feel for the facility. And You're uh, not bringing your start. kid in. You're not bringing no, your kid My in. kid's not coming in because my kid's too young. Too young. My kid's only five.
1: So uh, When he turns 20. I know
0: Carl's, Carl's daughter's coming in.
1: Yeah. yeah. She's a cute kid.
0: Yeah, tough too. Watch out. Yeah. She's tough. She's got an attitude.
1: I think I'll be able to handle it.
0: Yeah, that's what you say now. <laughs> Carl Canyon, hey, it's but, my
1: job. Yeah, that is your job. My job.
0: So that's cool. We, I haven't had kids programs at my facility for about a decade. So it's good to bring it back into the fold and start getting that going again.
1: Yeah, and I love to teach kids, and I get to basically do what I love to do and not have to worry about the headaches of running my own shop anymore. That's why I made that, that shift.
0: Yeah, it, it's funny. I had a conversation with somebody. I, the terminology I'm going to use, I don't think you'll be offended by it, but... It's weird. So I was talking to somebody yesterday, one of the guys in the gym, and he was talking about how there was one person in particular that was being a bit of a dick, and on the floor, yeah, and it it happens. You get somebody that a little sensitive, a little quick to throw negative comments out there, trying to be a tough guy, and you could tell it's an act. They're not there yet. Right. It's somebody that's in a beginner stage that's trying to hang
1: with. The advanced age, right? And it's just so. What is it? They get that little bit of arrogance, and they think they know a little well bit. They, of stuff?
0: Well, no, no, no. They, they're, they're faking it.
1: Why? They're faking.
0: Well, that's where I'm getting to.
1: Okay. So, but they're faking it, and
0: it happens a lot. You take people that have no experience in an environment, and then they walk into it, and they may have found success somewhere else, or they're having self confidence issues, whatever, and they don't want to. Be exposed for being a beginner or having a self confidence issue, so they overcompensate by being a bit of a dick. So
1: that's a great formula, right there.
0: <laughs> how many fucking times do you see it though? You could say it's a great formula, but that's what people do. Yeah, that's what people do because how okay, how easy is it to be vulnerable? It's not. No, so when you're in a group of strangers and we're telling you you have to be vulnerable. What, you need confidence to be able to be vulnerable. You have to be strong to be vulnerable. Right. So that transition period can be rough. And what we were talking about was that it was funny. This person was kind of being a dick, sparred with the one guy, got blasted pretty bad. And then they had a little bit of a come to Jesus moment where it was like, hey, 10 years ago, I was in the same boat. You know, Brian busted my nose on my first day of sparring and like laughed at me. I probably did too. Yeah, but you know, like smacked the dude. Like I smacked him in the face, and then after, and he was upset because he was he had a really good athletic career and was, a, you know, talented football player, and then he came here and he was like a nobody, and it was hard for him to be a nobody. Right. So it's almost it's almost like going from high school to college or college to pro, where, you know, it doesn't matter even if you're an all American football player when you go to the NFL, you're a rookie again. Yeah. You know, you could be a state champion in high school and you go to college, D1, whatever. Well, you're a rookie again. Back
1: to being a little fish you have in have big be, pond. Yeah. Yeah. So Not the big fish anymore. The fuck is that? I think someone's working out of it. Oh. Me. But,
0: yeah. You know, so this guy gets hit, whatever, and he's like, basically by sharing experience, the guy with the experience tells the guy without the experience, it's really okay to be where you're at. I was there once, too. This is just the path that helps give the person the confidence to be vulnerable and in a alpha type environment which competitive gyms tend to be sure. allowing yourself to take a beta position until you actually become an alpha right. so this person calm down stop being such a dick stop trying to posture as much and just as getting to work and kind of understanding their place in the machine and that's just part of it and it's it's uh it's tough man yeah. It's tough for a lot of people, but as we mature, and I'm not saying you're taking a beta, but the, you, 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 know, you had your gym, you had your place, you're doing your thing, but you recognize that there are certain aspects of the business that were not really your thing. Nope. Teaching's your thing. Teaching's my thing. So you wanted to put yourself in a position where some of the stuff that you're you don't want to invest your time into would be taken care of so that you can invest your time more fully and more clearly into what you do best. Sure. And that's the mature decision, but it's a hard decision, especially when you're an entrepreneur for a long time. Yeah.
1: Because you, I was number one forever, for yeah. years. I was, the, I was the head guy, this and that. And um, I made a decision. I was like, you know what? I don't need to be the head guy anymore. I'm, I'm cool with just being able to teach and do what I do. And you are the head guy in your
0: program. Yeah. You just don't need to be the guy that, you know, you don't need to be the number one in the business, I guess. Nope. You know, and that's, but that's a mature decision. When you recognize that within yourself and you put yourself in a position where you can be more successful, you know, uh, uh, there's a lot of people that would be better off in a number two or three position than a number one. But their (laughs) ego won't let them. Yeah, because they feel like society needs them to be a number one. You know what I'm talking about. Yeah, there, I mean, there's a lot of people we know like that. There are a lot of people that they feel, you know, they they read or watch or get pressured from whatever, where they feel like they have to be the one. I uh, me, there was no. There's really no choice for me. Like I'm not faking it. Like this is what I do. I have to do this. Yeah. This is, and I'm good at it. And I'm not blowing smoke up my own ass here. I'm just saying, like. I've been around for twenty years for a fucking reason. Like right. I'm, I know what the fuck I'm doing, Yeah. and I've evolved over time. And I said it before. I mean, the last, the first eighteen years, I didn't know what the fuck I was doing. But sure. the last two years,
1: I figured a lot of shit out, yeah, and I'm you doing can, you, it a lot you better. Came now. a long way. I mean, you, you, a lot, a lot of, uh, a lot's changed for you and me at the same time. Yes, um, and in, in, a, in a good way. And having, and being a part
0: as friends being a part of each other's change times is what allowed us both to kind of evolve to where we've gotten to and you know
1: if I hadn't met you I would still probably be running my gym and being miserable about it actually I, I, I credit you to closing my gym and, and it, but in a good way yes in a good way yes um, I realized who I was professionally and even just as a human being and I realized that I needed to make certain moves to just be happier about it. If I would have met you, we, if it wasn't for these conversations that we've had over five years now, yeah, um, I would probably still be running my own gym, but not happy about it. Being a lot
0: of, I've had a lot of weird conversations over the last week. Or I don't know, maybe I'm paying more attention to what's being said around me. But uh, somebody yesterday was talking to me about how uh, somebody in in a work in my former work situation, we had a we had somebody that was really just collecting a lot of bullshit and spinning it around, being very surface, not literally looking at things, and being real negative with opinions about surface stuff. So basically somebody would say something and then would spin it in a way that would create drama for them to play with. And it's just a negative it sounds thing. sounds exhausting. It's horribly exhausting to be around because when people are lacking depth in their thought, and empathy in their thought things can really get weird yeah and someone was creating constantly creating this weirdness so it puts me in a position where i'm i have a choice i can either defend it or i can let it go mm-hmm. i'm letting it go because i don't want to waste my time defending because anybody who's going to listen to it it's not even worth the effort of trying to explain so not at all. i just yeah. let i'm letting it go but i could fight it if i wanted to and it but it's it sucks to be in that position where you constantly have to fight that. Yeah. But the point I'm getting to is that there's so many people that you and I know in this business even that they focus on the surface stuff. They collect a lot of surface where we consciously made a choice to not waste our time talking about clutter, focus on the things that we felt were the most important aspects of what we're trying to do. And we've gone as deep as we can with it and we continue to go deep on it and we keep trying trying to strip away the layers to get down to the root of why we do what we do. So why do you do what you do? Why do I do what we do? What does that mean to how we're gonna roll out programs? What does that mean in terms of how we're gonna interact with people? What's the thing that we're gonna be most happy doing and be able to profit off of? Like we've gone really deep on the yeah. process, but it's because we let go of the clutter like we we've we laugh about people we know in stupid situations, Yep. but we don't sit around and get emotionally involved with it. No. And that's one of the big problems, especially in the martial arts industry, is that these people become very wrapped up in the drama of what other people are doing, and it's all about stuff that has zero impact on our yeah, day-to-day. It's like high school.
1: It's, it's so stupid. It's stupid. And It's just we, a big fucking waste of time. You don't have time for it. I don't have time for it because we're trying to do good things here. Yeah. Somebody put a meme up on
0: Instagram the other day and I don't remember. I'm paraphrasing here. But it was it was uh, focus on the people who know you more than the people who are talking about you. Because mm-hmm. one of the big things you could, that can happen – I've seen it a thousand times. There's one instructor in particular that I know that it, their business imploded because they spent so much time trying to get – People outside of their gym to feel differently about them and forgot that the people that were paying on the mat needed the attention. Right. You know, so it was, it was,
1: it's, it's ass backwards.
0: It was completely ass backwards. So while the people on the mat are diminishing because they're not getting the attention and the things being said on the perimeter are not changing, it was just this big waste of fucking time and that person's now in a bad situation in their gym and i feel for them because i don't think they're necessarily a bad person i just think that their mindset is misguided really fucking wrong misguided yeah, yeah their ego's out of control i'm not gonna get into it right now don't tell ask me no, I'm, no I'm, i'll tell I'm, you after tell i don't after. i'm not throwing the person under the bus because i actually feel bad for the person all right so i'm not gonna get into that but honestly if you're out there and you think i'm talking about you i probably am probably <laughs> <laughs> well that's the one too People get so fucking sensitive. Yeah. I throw out random shit. Like literally, I throw out ideas. They are not attached to any person and I get people are mad at me. Are you talking about me? I'm like, Really? No, but I guess
1: I am. If you're if you if if you're thinking that then yeah. Yeah.
0: If you're if you're taking it personal, I guess you you are. What a waste of time. You know what I watched this weekend? I watched uh, I'm still trying to get through it. When you have a five year old and you're really busy, you don't get to watch things straight through. So I'm yeah. watching it like Five to eight minutes at a clip. What do you it? Uh, the Zen of Gary Shandling on HBO. Okay. I never knew. I didn't know anything about him, I guess. Like, I, th- I knew of the Larry Sanders show. I knew of the Gary Shandling show. I knew of the things, but I never really got into him. I never followed him as yeah. a comedian, whatever. But I watched this. And the shit we're talking about now, like, his lifelong struggle, he really, his... So, um, Judd Apatow... Big Hollywood director guy, right. former comedian, whatever. He got all of his journals. Gary died.
1: Yeah. Last so, year, was it? Did yeah. he pass away last year? Yeah.
0: yeah. But they were in the middle of doing this documentary. Gary gave him all of his journals because he journaled his entire life. Really? And so he gave the guy the journals and they were filming the movie and then Gary dies. And so they put this out and the, he just went through all of his journals and was connecting all of his thoughts and whatever. But Gary's big thing was be your authentic self. Mm-hmm. Live in the moment. Mm. And his biggest struggle was not allowing opinions and ideas outside of himself to really affect who he was. And How many struggle, conversations have you and I had about yeah. that? And so Tons. It was, so to just see somebody at that level of success mm. and the raw journaling of dealing with that was really interesting. And his struggle as a comic is the same struggle as anything. Uh, and I, I, I've talked about this a lot. Is every single person I've had come on the on the podcast that is successful? When I ask them what's the number one thing, you know, that that allows you to be successful, everyone has said relationships. Mm-hmm. Every single one of them has said relationships, no mm-hmm. matter what the industry is, and. A lot with Gary Shandling was that, too. It was understanding himself and how he was interacting with the people around him was, like, everything. So it's, you know, this whole being self-aware, having really strong relationships, and understanding all that stuff. It was just it was just really cool. Because, again, it just goes to another thing. This one's a comic who's saying everything that we fucking say. My, like, Tommy from uh, Tradewind Tattoo said the same shit that yeah. we say. There's
1: parallels. Dr. Mike. Doesn't matter what industry it is. Everybody. Yep. The race car driver. What was his name? Yeah, Trent. Same Trent. shit.
0: I've got Shane the Shane Bruno, and my barber coming in tomorrow. He's gonna say the same shit. Yep. I haven't even talked to him about what we're gonna talk about, but I guarantee you that he's gonna say the same shit. Yep. Because at the end of the day, we're all on the same fucking path. Yep. We're just fighting in different arenas for our success. Yeah. But the path is the, the struggle same. is the same.
1: It's just people. And it's all it's the all, human race, man. It's all relationships, and it's also—I'm I'm sure that I, I haven't seen that. It's called the Zen of Gary Shanley. Yeah, I'm gonna check, check it out. That. It's on HBO. Go. I don't have HBO, but I have uh, Amazon Prime, so they have all their HBO shows yeah, on. I'm You're sure it's on there. It, yeah. Um, but yeah, it's all about relationships, and I'm sure he'd probably say the same thing. It's all about letting certain relationships go. I think that's as important too.
0: Well, his greatest struggle was that he was—he uh, had. Uh, I'm looking, i don't know what fucking word i 'm trying to find here uh, he got a little bit paranoid with relationships he got a little possessive he had a, his brother died when he was young and that really affected his ability so he was a guy that struggled with sharing relationships and you could see there's this constant struggle with things for him and he did walk away I mean he actually changed the entertainment industry his manager was also, like, the producer and the production company, and he sued him for a ton of money because... So his ma- his manager that started a show with him was also... Like, they owned part of the show. Okay. But then he was pulling writers from the show, pulling actors from the show, and creating other projects with them. So Gary was creating all this talent, and then the guy was taking that talent and creating other projects, and so Gary wasn't, wasn't seeing any, any pieces of that. And... Like 80% of the money that was coming out of the show was going to this one guy because the guy had so many roles. Right. So it changed the way people do business. So in Hollywood now, the manager stays the manager, the producer stays the producer. There was no and he one changed person. that? I had no idea.
1: That's interesting. Yeah. I when did to, that happen? In the 90s? 80s, 90s? Probably
0: in the late 90s, late early 90s. 2000, when his show was coming to an end. There was like this $100 million lawsuit, some crazy shit. But yeah it just it it put a spotlight on how certain people were monopolizing the business and mm. they were profiting greatly while the talent was profiting in a different way and whatever it was just but it was just an interesting argument, and even in that, the way Gary was journaling about it was that he was not it wasn't so much that he had a problem with the business he was happy that he stood up for himself. Mm. It was one of those defining moments for him where he stood yeah. up and said. I'm not going to let somebody take advantage of me no matter what it is. And that was pretty cool to see too because, again, it doesn't matter what level of stardom, fame, where you are in things. You do have to stand up for yourself and you have to find the confidence to, to do your own thing. And I, 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 I always like to see the struggles of other people because we all struggle. And seeing other people overcome stuff you know, helps us continue to be strong. We're not. but. I always like to see these kinds of stories. I mean, Gary's story is kind of shitty because he died so young of a, of a of a heart attack and but I mean, the life he
1: lived was really his life, and he was in a few of the Marvel movies actually, yeah.
0: I didn't get that far yet in it. I'm sure they'll address some of that stuff because he went from being a comedian to then doing a TV show to back to being a comedian to then doing another TV show. And then he went into movies and because he felt movies were going to fit him best. And again, that it's kind of funny there. I'm just realizing that the transition aspect there is he realized that the pressure of running a, a TV show was something that. He had to get away from, and he felt that working for a director in a movie was going to better suit his stage of life. So instead of being the chief cook and bottle washer on his own show, he felt that he could relieve himself of the pressures of that and just be more himself as a personality
1: in a different medium. That's exactly the same situation I'm in right that's now. What that's what I'm saying. Like same The crossover
0: thing. there is pretty interesting. I, I didn't put that together until we just started talking. So, yeah. But I, I guess the more self-aware you become— and the more strength you develop in that process, or hey, I had another talk the other day some some guy was talking about how he You've was had talk- a lot of
1: conversations this I week. talk a lot of people <laughs> man
0: it's crazy like just there's well I just have so many people around me right now that are all struggling to do shit you know and uh, I'm part of that process which is cool that's why I like what I do uh, but one of the guys has started going out with this girl and she gave him a she lost her husband and a while ago and she wrote something about it and she said you know read this he read it and she said that gives me i hope that gives you some insight to who i am and the light bulb for him was like fuck i don't know if i can do something like that because i'm not sure i know who i am mm. how old is he it's like late 40s really i mean fuck man most of the people i know don't know who the fuck they are yeah i guess i know so. most of the people i know don't i if I ask you right now, who are you? I mean, you could define it to a degree, but it's a, pretty, it's a pretty heavy thing to actually say, definitively define who you are. Right. Quickly. And most people start off with surface shit. Like, no, but who the fuck are you? Like, this chick gave him, like, some really deep, heavy shit because she lost her husband and it really made her look at herself. And she was dealing with, like, great loss and went super deep and had to come out the other side and whatever. And he was like, fuck, I don't know if I can, if I, if I know myself that way. But the but his point on that was is that he connects a lot of the shit that he does here with training, gives him the ability. He feels like maybe two years ago before he started training, if faced with that, he wouldn't have recognized, A, the reality of he couldn't – maybe didn't know the answer and would maybe run away from it, where now he's like, okay, I'm actually strong enough to admit that I – don't Probably know don't know who I am, but I'm also strong enough to now take on the challenge of go figuring that out. That's great. Which is cool.
1: That's really cool.
0: Yeah. So that's where That's where the self-aware thing, It, it you have to be strong to be self-aware because self-aware is not creating who you are. It's coming in contact with who you actually are. Sure. And you may like it. You may not like it. Mm-hmm. And you have to deal with that. And you have to be strong enough to accept that and then decide the decisions you're gonna make based on this understanding. You know, so for yourself, you became more self-aware about where you wanted to be. I've become self-aware about where I wanna be. I've made decisions, you've made decisions. You know, We all have to make decisions on it. I could've said, fuck it, I'm gonna take the money, keep the job, be miserable. Right. But I said, I can't force myself to be happy. I can't fake it.
1: No, it's impossible.
0: So, I would rather lose sleep of being a little bit stressed out about the finances I have to figure out Mm -hmm. than have a lot of money and be stressed out because I feel like I'm not doing what I want to do with myself or what, not even what I want to do because it's not what I want. It's what I feel I was meant to do.
1: Yeah. I couldn't be happier for you in your situation right now. I know the financial part of it kind of sucks, but you know, it's, uh, you're, you're free of that to do what you were born to do. Yeah. I don't, it's, I used to worry about the money
0: don't worry about money so much like i'm when i say don't worry about money i'm not skipping out on making money and not paying my bills and saying hey living in a cardboard box would be fucking great no. but i'm not letting money shape my ideas i'm embracing my ideas and the money's gonna come because of the ideas yeah but it's also i have to we all can have ideas having great ideas doesn't mean shit. you gotta act on it well it's not even taking action on your ideas it's trusting that your ideas bring value to a group of people that are willing to pay for it true that's the difference so somebody said on um another thing on instagram was like one thing on instagram they keep throwing all these fucking ads at me now but there was this one ad that this guy was saying i was really broke in my life and the one thing i did was i went to everyone that I had money and i said what do you need and he said, one guy needed something, and I got it for him, and then I made more money than I ever made before. And I laughed. Mm-hmm. I said, Yeah. You know, that really is what business is. You go find what people want, and you give it to them. Yep. You f- or more even better, figure out what you offer, and then go find the people that need it and give it to them, and then you'll make money off of it, and everybody's happy. That's the mutually beneficial trade part of it. So that's why I'm saying. It's not just so much having the ideas, but having ideas that you know bring value to a community of people, and then figuring out where that community is and then, you know, providing your service to them and delivering and delivering it in a way that really communicates the actual value that it is. Absolutely. You know, so that's, that's, I mean, that's business. And that's, I mean, for you, we talk about that all the time. Like the biggest struggle was finding that balance to say, okay, who are you as an instructor? What is it that you provide what's the community that you have to target all that kind of stuff like that was that was the, that was the big struggle we've been talking about for two years yeah longer like, yeah and it's funny that when we talked about it too the the lack of depth in which you were handed what your your system to was something that we had to address yep because in a lot of ways you were given a surface-based My, understanding of yeah. what you were doing a mile wide and an inch deep yeah and a lot of it and it's not to fault where you come from like mm. i'm not faulting anywhere you come from but it's the attitude of people that came up in the 70s and 80s in martial culture it was a lot of just do what i tell you to do don't fucking question yes so the problem with that was that it creates a generation generation of instructors that are emulating the same thing to a generation of people that have the answer of why in their pocket at all fucking times. Right. Like, if you, if I want to find out why, I just pull out my phone and Google it. Sure. Why do we say us? There's a million fucking articles online and if I don't have an answer for it, online just beat me and then why do they need me? Right. You have to go deep and know your craft.
1: You have to have the answers that the cell phone's not going to give them. It's one of the most valuable things that you and I have spoken about and that I've implemented in the past, I'm going to say two, three years is I have to know the why of everything I do and if I don't, I better find the answer yeah. or not do it. And the other
0: part of that is, and that's something that we talked about too, is the context of communicating that why is extremely important. Yeah. And understanding the having an empathetic view towards students so that you know when to give them the why. To know you know, there there's a there's a part of the teacher student relationship is not just it's not just giving them information. It's timing. It's timing. It's understanding the developmental process on an individu- individual basis. Right. That that's a that's a big thing. I have. Hold on one sec. Okay. Um, yeah. I mean, having. You know, you can't throw too much at the wrong no. person and you can't throw too middle, too middle to at the right person. You know, you have to do it in time. a way that's going to keep it keep the progress going and allow them to have markers. That's the one thing with the martial arts system that that so belt culture mm-hmm. drives me fucking crazy mm-hmm. because people chase those colors those colored belts right. like it fucking matters. Those belts were not designed to be chased on an ego gratification level that were meant to give you markers to recognize your progress. Simple as that. Nothing more. Nothing more. Nothing more than that. It's an educational thing. Yeah. You know, Funakoshi created the belts. Funakoshi was a professor in Tokyo University. Yeah. And he created the color system along with Kano, the founder of Judo. Yep. They were all teachers. They were educators. all teachers. And they just created an education system. And it and there was none. The one I, I still laugh at is the... Oh, the reason for the colors is because everyone started as a white belt, and then as it got dirty, it could turn into this color and that color. And, da, 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 yeah, it's da, and I'm like, get the fuck out of here! <laughs> they had certain colors that they had access to, and they put them into a category. Like you know, they just made a hierarchy yeah. of information, and they attached a color to each That's level. It. That was it. There's no, nothing more than no that. no fucking spiritual. You know what's funny about it. that
1: is that there are grown adults that still um, talk about that urban myth of the white belt eventually turning black, and like grown ass adults are still telling that story. I know. It's it's fucked up. <laughs> well, I
0: I don't know how am I going to how do I feel about that? I mean, the fantasy aspect of it, I guess
1: is okay cuz it keeps people engaged in a fantasy. I mean, I don't know, it's 2018 know. and we're grown ass men.
0: Yeah, but we're not all grown ass men. Some people are fucking grown ass children. You know, some people some people subscribe to the fucking fantasy thing. I don't know. Like I, I, for me, again, I for what I'm trying to do, there has to be a practical reality to it. Right. I'm very straightforward about it. Like, I feel that everybody should be able to train, but not everybody should fight. No, nope. and not everybody has to. Nope. I think you should be proficient. But you have to be honest about it. It's like the Taekwondo instructor that says they're creating UFC champs are full of shit. You know, it's it's you have to be real about it. Yeah. As long as you're real, I don't give a fuck what you do. But for me, I need a practicality to what I do. Right. But that's me. That's that's the
1: culture you create. And some
0: people want fantasy. Some people want to spin
1: bo staffs and nunchucks, and there are schools for that. And if you're happy doing that, then fine. Hey, man, there are people that are running Jedi academies. Right now, they're teaching people how to use fake lightsabers. Yeah, and you know whatever. whatever. If it's fun, if if who if, if it's shit. fun, if they like it, if they pay, if if then then more power to you. Be you.
0: Gives a shit. It is what it is.
1: You know, it's like uh, we we talked about it the other time uh, months years ago. <laughs> you know, who's the uh, who's the bigger dork? The guy that goes to the medieval uh, yeah. reenactments, or the guy that wears the Jets jersey and the Jets hat and this and that? Who's the bigger dork? Does it, it matter? It's all
0: cosplay at this point.
1: Uh, yeah, pretty much. Yeah,
0: I I, uh, I I still have a struggle with with the martial arts thing. There's something when I put a gi on, when I put my traditional gi on mm-hmm. and my belt. There's a comfort to it, and it's because I spend so much time. Yeah. I mean, I just spent so much time in it. Yeah. So there's there's a level of comfort in it. Sure. But I don't. I don't need anyone to subscribe to that. I think there's a value to it from an educational purpose with a kids program. I think having kids have a uniform that they have to take care of, that they have to understand, you know, they have to understand how to tie their pants and put their gi on properly and to tie their belt right. It's a learning process. It's being responsible for something. That's the value of it. There's an educational value for kids in it. Adults, certain adults, there is too, and certain people like the comfort of putting their gi on and whatnot. But I've. Feel that on on an adult training level, I've gotten beyond that, and then a little bit more of the practical side of it is more important. Where I would I don't care that you wear a gi as much as you can do the technique. Sure. Where a lot of people the the ceremonial aspects of it are just as or more important than the practical application of it. Right. And that's where I struggle at times. So you know it's it's the bow tie black belt it's the guy that worked, that got so fat that his black belt looks like a bow tie now yep. and i'm like well the practical reality you're dealing with is that you can't stop fucking eating and you're not working out yeah. anymore you're but wa- you're but you're still trying to tell everyone you're this yeah. deadly effective but you can't and you're get you're a walking up. fucking heart attack yeah Pretty you're much. a walking fucking heart attack and you're exhausted walking across the mat to to tell someone cuz you can't show them anymore yeah like that's the kind of stuff that pisses me off but people still subscribe to it
1: yeah, they do.
0: But that's the myth of the the belt that creates a, a little bit of a weirdness. And I think even with kids, when you run a kid's program, if you subscribe to the storytelling, I think you do a disservice to them. I think you have to inspire kids. You have to give them goals to reach towards. But every time you reach a goal, it's not an end. I, I've found so many times when kids would get a black belt, they would quit because they feel like they been there done that right and that comes
1: from that storytelling mythical idea of belts but it's our job as instructors to kind of keep them going with it yeah you know to explain to them and show them that it's it's a goal that you reach but it's not the end of the journey so from an
0: educational perspective so funakoshi coming from a professional professor aspect of it you got to look at it as as a doctor when a doctor gets a degree he's mm-hmm. not done being a doctor uh-huh. he starts being a doctor sure so it's a good it, way of putting it, yeah. But in Japanese culture, with training, most kids that graduate high school are first-degree black belt. Right. And by the time they graduate college, they are second, third, fourth-degree black right. belt. And they're going...
1: and Bachelor's, so, master's, yes, PhD. So,
0: But they're continuing that. So you have the foundation to be able to train for the rest of your life. You don't go and do karate until you're done with college, and now you're a master and you never train again. Right. No. You've trained as a juvenile. When you get your black belt now the real training begins because yeah. now you're using it in life and you're applying your craft my just wife, like a doctor.
1: My wife, as a veterinarian, you know, she went to school for years and years and years and then she finally graduated. Then she started practicing. Yeah. And then she kept going and going and going and she still, go, she, she still does continuing education to this day. And you have to. And that's why it's called practicing. That's why doctors practice. That's why veterinarians yes.
0: practice. That was something with functional medicine. I, I, was, I was listening to some... Somebody talked about functional medicine and, and uh, one of the things with that was that one of the hardest challenges that they face in medicine is that when new ideas, like when new science is discovered, mm-hmm. it's very difficult to implement because the education system is so entrenched and there's so much money put into the education of people. So you have to change the textbooks. You have to re-educate the teachers. The it's a slow process. So it could take – Years. Six, seven years. It takes a generation of training people to get change. Yeah. And the problem ends up being because of liability and stuff too when changes get enacted. So if you're a doctor that's at point A and now point B is what we find is is better. Now because we live in like a lawsuit culture, Dr. A gets sued because now he's doing B but A wasn't as beneficial and people are like, you know, oh, you did the wrong thing. But, but they, they, were go,
1: they were going with the best knowledge they had at the at time. At the time. At the time.
0: But because of religious so culture, yeah. yeah, it creates weirdness. It's fucked up. And if you look at it from a materialistic mindset that we can run into in, in, the, in uh, martial arts, even in strength and conditioning, you get a lot of people that have invested a tremendous amount of time. That's where the UFC really changed a lot of shit for people was that when Brazilian jiu-jitsu came around – and the karate guy was getting subbed super fast, and his katas were found to not work. Right. They didn't know what to do. So they started making up shit. Yeah. They're making up excuses as to why it wouldn't work instead of going looking and looking something new. Yeah. yeah. It was like, oh, the rules didn't let me, or it was whatever. Like people started making up stuff, sure. or they just avoid it completely and right. then make up a lot of shit reasons why the two
1: should never cross. So instead of my system is too lethal to be in the ring, fuck that shit. So instead of
0: owning the evolution of understanding of what we do and embracing the practical application of stuff, you know, people got into the bullshit and it's because they felt they invested so much time into it that it would have been a waste when nothing's a waste. if It gets you to a point of better understanding. Sure. So that karate black belt can't wear his karate black belt in the jiu-jitsu school he's got to put that white belt back on yeah and that's again that that ownership of an idea that arrogance whatever i mean i'll readily admit going taking off my black belt and putting on a white belt was fucking hard because i said- worked so many years to get that black belt yeah in karate i mean i worked so long for that and I so hard did. and i was so battle tested for it to have to be
1: a white belt it was tough. See, that never was a problem for me. I mean, I've gone to jujitsu classes. I'd, I'd never had any problem putting on a white belt. I was just so used to standing in front of the class.
0: Yeah. To have to be on the like, have to be sitting on the mat. Yeah. It was was not easy. I mean, you get past it, but in the, but I, but there definitely was a challenge to that. Mm. You know, you get used to being in the front. Eating yeah. shit again is tough. Yeah. But yeah, it is. You know, you do what you got to do, and if you want to get what you want to get. So, but at this point. But at that point when I was struggling too, not married, don't have a kid, whatever, I had time to be upset about those things. Now I don't – now I could give a fuck. Now, now I, I just have
1: to be practical and it has to work. You know, it's funny uh, putting on a white belt other going into Brazilian jiu-jitsu or something or whatnot and being that beginner again. One of the things that I like about doing that is that I get to see – I get to be in the perspective of a lot of my students as beginners. I get to be in their shoes again, so it helps me understand. Like My wife and I took dancing classes a couple of years ago. We were going like two, three times a week. I didn't know anything about dancing. I was the white belt on the floor. It was fun. Arthur Murray. Yeah. Uh, We can dance really well now, but um, I was like, wow, fuck. I'm the beginner again. I'm standing in my students' shoes. Yes. And it brings, you know, it brings a certain perspective to it. It's, it. I like to throw myself into the ring as a beginner doing whatever, whether it's cooking, whether it's dancing or jujitsu or judo or whatever it is. It's fun to be a beginner again because then I, get to, I can relate more so to my students who are beginners. Yeah. Because we were beginners, what, 25 fucking years ago in what we did? Longer. <sighs> Longer. I'm, you, I'm you, older. You, yeah. You know what I'm talking about, though. But it's like how, how often do a lot of instructors... On the floor, they haven't been a beginner for 30 years. And do they really understand what it was like to be a beginner 30 years ago?
0: No. I'm so competitive.
1: It's really hard for me not to be good at something. I know you are. I'm crazy
0: fucking competitive. Like my kid and I fight over fucking video games. I mean, it's hilarious. Do you
1: you let him win or do you just kick his ass?
0: No, no, no. I actually, (laughs) I actually, no, no, but it's not even that. It's not that I kick my kid's ass. I have to win the game. Yeah. I don't give a fuck what it is. I have to win the game. It's a problem. So my wife yelled at me one day, and I was like, "I gotta calm the fuck down." Like we're literally we're playing like Lego Star Wars yeah, like Mario and I, Kart and or something. And like I'm yelling at my son. I'm going, "Yo, you didn't collect the fucking enough coins. We didn't win all the coins that we needed to win in this level. We've like we only did it like thirty yeah. percent. We got to get a hundred percent." And he was like, <laughs> "He was like, but it's not fun." And I'm like, "I don't care about fun. I gotta win." And now I chill. I don't. You know,
1: care. That's So your wife was like, "You gotta chill the fuck out a little bit." Well, no,
0: the big one was I literally spent like two months on this Marvel superhero 2 thing with him, getting all these characters and getting all these points and building this thing up. And the other day, he turned the game on, and instead of loading that level, he deleted it. Oh. And that was like the true test of where I was at. I didn't give a fuck. Yeah. I actually was like, okay, I'm getting better. Because <laughs> I, I like, I'm not mad at him. We That's just smart. have to do it again. It's all good. But I learned, but my son is teaching me... To enjoy doing things with him. I don't give a fuck about the outcome of these meaningless yeah. tasks. Yeah. It was and it's just a lo- having fun and That's a, in that's the a process long time coming for you. It. But it like, takes time. But I mean, it's all right. I'm super competitive. I can't help it. I hate to fucking lose. I actually hate losing more than I like winning that's just the truth of it and that's why it's hard like being a beginner is tough because I want to fucking win like you show me something new I want to crush you with it right I don't want to just do it I just I want to crush everything with it I have that desire in me I have to fight that because I can become a monster in that process and that's why I have to chill myself out
1: see I'm the opposite I'm not competitive at all I don't give a fuck I never Uh, was
0: I'm so bad so bad
1: yeah I burn I fucking
0: burn when I lose it's the worst I hate it but and if I feel like I got fucked oof, Even worse Oh my god It's yeah. so bad Yeah Because no. I, I think rules are there for a reason And if somebody fucking gets away with breaking the rules Oh I get that, That's the kind of shit that really drives me nuts I'm a lot better in controlling it now Like it drives me nuts But I don't, it doesn't drive me nuts in a way that That gets in the way of progress anymore Before it used to
1: fuck up my day Now yeah. it just is what it I is could, I could see that about you Carl mm. sitting over there I
0: tell you a million times where you see me fucking crazy
1: Yeah What's up Carl
0: yeah, so competitive is good. Yeah, I mean, shit, my, I'm in the business of competition, and it's good. It's my drive, keeps me going. Uh, it's probably why I'm so angry. But you know, I like to win. Yeah, I know you do. And I like to and and teaching for me is winning. When they get it, I that's, win.
1: That's That's a win, right I'm there. I'm really competitive that. I'm
0: competitive about everything. Yeah. Like I have to. If I set a goal. I mean, it's me versus me. Mm -hmm. It's always me versus me. Even when I was fighting, it was always me versus me. I never fought anyone else. I just fought myself. I always fought whatever was going on. Like, I was fighting. Somebody else was trying to get in the way of what I was trying to achieve. And so I was fighting myself to achieve it. That's a good way of putting it. I mean, mean, that's just my nature.
1: That's your nature, but... Isn't it always you versus you? Yes. Well, not everybody looks at it that way. Some people want
0: to kill the person across from them because I want to kill the person across from them. I wanted to kill the person across from me because I needed to prove to myself that I could. Right. It wasn't that I needed to kill that person. I needed to kill the weak. in They were in standing in your way. It was they, they were the opportunity for me to not be weak. Right. And that was more important to me. hmm Like, I didn't need the world to realize that they were weak. I needed the world to know that I was strong. Yeah. That was the battle. hmm and I did. I had to get over that too, because now I don't give a fuck what the world thinks about me. No, <laughs> I you really don't. don't. Nope. But don't. I used to. But I mean, you could see how that could be a problem. I needed the world to know that I was strong.
1: Yeah. Whatever. I know I'm strong. I'm fine. I'm yeah. good. I know what I've got. But that goes back to us knowing ourselves and who we are. It's fucking age, man. Yeah.
0: It's t- it takes time. Fucking mm-hmm. 44. Mm-hmm. I started my gym when I was 24. When I was 24, I was screaming at the
1: world, going, "Look at me! Look at me! Look at me!"
0: Yeah. Now I just want to be
1: happy. It's you're, you're right. It's actually funny because we get along now. If I would have met you fifteen twenty years ago, we probably wouldn't have gotten along.
0: Who well, we did? You, well, we you? did. We yeah. did. You fought in my tournament at the Sheraton. Yeah. And yeah. I was. And I mean, we, we that was with Andy. With Andy. And we like crushed all you guys.
1: Yeah, you were a dick about it too. You didn't even you didn't give a fuck. I was happy to be a dick about it. I know it. you I was were. Like
0: you guys all suck. We're better. Fuck you. Yep. Yeah. But that's where I was. Yeah. You know, put the battle flag down. Wanted to take over the world. Yeah. I still want to take over the world, but in a different way. Yeah. I mean, there's always going to be a winner and a loser in every in every engagement. But, you know, I look at it a little bit differently. I don't know. I don't know where I was going with that. But everybody, I mean, there's winners and losers in every engagement. But I definitely was a little bit more arrogant about the winning side of it. Now I kind of recognize the journey of it all. And I see a value on both sides of it. So win or lose, I see the value in the person that loses – I mean, I still look at it this way. It's funny. Jay, titlebound, when he was fighting, he, he knocked out some people so bad that they never competed again. And I, yeah, he retired and I, people. And I retired people, and that was like my thing. Like, I was like, I'm going to make you realize that fucking you made you. the wrong life choice. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to go make you be something else because that's what you were meant to be. You were not meant to be in this fucking ring with me. Right. And Jay was like that. I was like, for me, so I would train Jay, and I'd be like, you know, Jay, Jay is a warrior. You're not. I'm training him to be a fucking savage. Your instructor is training someone who should be a UPS driver. <laughs> like, you know, I, I wanted you to walk out of there knowing what you should really be in life. Yeah. So if you beat us, you were meant to be here. If you lost us, go do something else. Yeah. Like I had that drive. Carl and I still have that. Carl wants to retire people too. Yeah, I know he does. Hey, Carl. How many te- how many guys have you retired at this point?
1: Uh, well,
0: wow. Yeah. I think that guy you fought at Shogun fights. I don't know if he'll ever fight again. Really? Yeah. I think he broke his heart.
1: It's like remember what Apollo said in uh, Rocky Four. I retired more guys than Social Security. <laughs> <laughs> but that's like. But you have to have that kind of drive in you yeah. to push yourself to
0: the extreme that you have to to stand across from another human being to Indeed.
1: fight them. Indeed.
0: Indeed. Yeah. The whole, but the. But with the but the losing side of it. Where I would want, I used to just, my purpose was to end you. But now, even if you lose, I have empathy for the guy who lost. And
1: I'm like, if you want to continue doing this, this will make you better. Right. Before I was like, fuck you, move on. Didn't you say a lot of your favorite fights are the ones that you lost? Certain
0: ones? There were certain fights that I lost in ways that, so I lost in the 1999 Sabaki Challenge. Is the best thing that ever, best worst thing that ever happened to me. Because I lost – all right, I'll just do the quick story on it. I trained really wrong. I didn't have a lot of sparring partners around me. Mm-hmm. And I had a strength and conditioning coach who was the former strength and conditioning coach for the Detroit Lions. He was training me to be in shape to play football, not to fight. I see. So I was crushing his workouts. And I'm walking out of there like, I am in amazing shape. But I didn't realize that I didn't have the cardio to fight. I was just strong as fuck. And I right. could explode for short periods of time. But I could – I was going to fight in Denver. I was not in shape to go and fight at elevation. Three rounds. Actually, it was five rounds. To fight five rounds at elevation. Mm-hmm. I couldn't do five threes at elevation. Mm-hmm. I was I was gassing out, hitting the heavy bag for six minutes. Like yeah. It was like I wasn't ready to fight 15. So I trained and I went there, and the, it was rough. Like, I died halfway through one of the rounds towards the end. But the last round, I'll never forget. The the referee looks at us and goes, 30 seconds. And I went, holy fuck. I got that long? Like, it it was like he told me I have to run a marathon. Yeah. I was so fucking dead. Yeah. Like, it was the most dead I've ever been. Mm-hmm. Like, I was fucking done. Couldn't breathe. I was seeing shit. Like, my vision was blurry. Like, everything sucked. And then I just, I had to say to myself, I, I was like, coast Coast, quit, or kill right now. And I was like, fuck this. I trained too long, too hard. I don't care if I train wrong. I got to fucking kill this guy. Yeah. And I just went
1: nuts. You were crazy.
0: 30 seconds gave every fucking thing I had. I hit him with everything I had left. And then when that match was over, I walked out of that fucking ring, and I collapsed, and they had to carry me in the back and put me on oxygen because I was so spent. Wow. But,
1: but you that, left it all out
0: there. Yeah, literally. I almost died. I yeah. literally almost killed myself. And... At that young of an age, doing that, putting myself through that, knowing that with that level of adversity, I still didn't quit, yeah. just let me really understand something about myself and what I could do. But I will be honest, it took me almost a year before I was okay after that because when I was starting to get fatigued in training, that would I come was back to freaking you? the fuck out that yeah. I was going to feel that bad. I yeah. felt so horrible. In that fight, I was afraid that I'd never want to feel that way again. Yeah, and uh, interesting. Yeah, and then the the fucking crazy part about it is is that at forty, when I did my retirement fight, I oh, was it, pretty Friday,
1: Friday night fights against that guy Mike or Mike yeah. Stevens was yeah. yeah,
0: I was pretty much at the same level of fatigue again. Yeah. But I was happy to be there. I know you were. Because, I, I no, watched but no, that but, fight. but I was happy to be there because it threw me back to that young guy I was that fought in Denver. Yeah. I was like, okay, 20 years later, I'm, I'm okay. Yeah. Like, I'm home again. Like, yeah. it was the craziest thing. So it was like understanding myself through pushing that hard. Like, it was like the blossoming of understanding and then ultimately just ending my career in the same place. Like, starting and stopping in the same place really was just... It was just one of those weird moments for me. But, yeah, I mean, I've lost fights where they were so fucking grueling and hard that just being able to get through them, there were things that I knew. Like, any time I guess I felt doubt, that I pushed past the doubt and kept going. That's a win. Those are the
1: wins. It's a loss, but it's still a win.
0: Those were those moments where I'm like, fuck, I can do this. Yeah. It's like long distance running. When you set a goal and you say, okay, I'm going to run 10 miles. Mm -hmm. And you hit six and you want to stop, but you don't. And when you're done, you're like, fuck, I actually did that. Yeah. It's pushing. It's just pushing. That's why, again, like fighting is different because you have to have a winner and you have to have a loser. Most other things you do, there's not like, running is not winning and losing. It's just accomplishing. You either do it or you don't do it. Right. But you're not winning or losing that race. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's you versus you, and you walk away. But you versus another human being,
1: different that's, a story. Whole,
0: that's a whole other thing.
1: Different story, yeah.
0: That's why I see the value in competition. I think everybody that does martial arts should put themselves in a position where they really do have to – go against another human being that has bad intentions to really understand what it is they do. If you're in a contact style of training, sure. let's say. Um, it, 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 it's, I don't think everyone has to compete, everyone has to fight, but you should test yourself. That's why I think rank testing was so important. I think rank testing shouldn't be the ceremonial rank shit drives me nuts where like they go out, they do they throw some kicks and punches in the air, do a little bit of strength and conditioning, and then they get a belt for you know paying the fee and showing up. I think that you should actually have to do something that if you don't do it right, you don't pass.
1: Yeah. Because and that's, it, that doesn't happen.
0: That's the education process yeah. too. I mean you're taking a test. Yeah. It shouldn't be a ceremony, it should be a test with yeah. a ceremony after.
1: Yeah. Thank you. See, man. How's your vacation? It was fantastic. Look, you look, you look revived i got a little, little, little sun. Got my pasty white like skin. Shit. I look like shit. <laughs> no. Like shit. Mike looks good. I look like shit. But Mike just went to Cuba.
0: Wow. Wow. I just had to let you know. You Thank like you. Like you. you. Thank All you. I really appreciate you. you. Woke up early this morning. I haven't slept, man. Yeah, it looks like it. You, you, mean, you know, my wife is 34 weeks pregnant, right? Sounds like a personal problem.
1: It's not a
0: problem. It it's a challenge. It's a challenge. <laughs>
1: yeah, you made me laugh the other day when you said Carl had more kids coming. I, when when I when I asked you if if you had more kids coming with his girlfriend or if more kids coming to the class. No, 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 just coming to class. That's good. That's yeah. good. I'm looking forward to it. Like I said, we'll get our feet wet this week. Have some fun, and uh, like I said, on on Saturday I'll. Uh, I'll know more about uh, the schedule.
0: Got, so you just went on vacation, though. Right? Yeah. So you went to Cuba.
1: We went to South Beach, Miami, and then Cuba for Half, three days.
0: All right. First off,
1: you have, it's, you've been to Cuba more than once. No. It's the first time. Oh, shit. I thought you went last year, too. No. No. Okay. You we went somewhere else. Where did you ever get the idea to go to Cuba? I think my wife came up with the idea. She can go to Cuba as a Canadian citizen. Like You know how like college students go to Cancun yeah. in America? Yeah. Their, for spring break. Their spring break in Canada was always Cuba. Wow. Because there was no embargo. Okay. And she said, you know, we were talking about, you know, vacations and where do we go? And she said, you know, now that the embargo has been lifted partially with the US and Cuba, let's go to Cuba while, it's still, while they still have the old classic cars before it becomes too modernized.
0: Well, let me ask you about Cuba though. When you go... Are you, do you have access to the whole country, or do you go to like a particular part of the country that tourists
1: are allowed to go? Yes and no. What you got to do is, as Americans, we have to do what's called a person-to-person um, excursion, which means like I couldn't literally, I couldn't legally dine in a government-owned restaurant; it had to be privately, privately okay. owned. So, with the idea, and it's the U.S.'s idea. It's the idea is we're supposed to support the local economy, the local. Gotcha. Um, Not the government. Not yes, not the government. I don't know. It's it's kind of fucked up. Is that um, the embargo's been lifted, sort of? But right now, like, if if a merchant ship goes to trade with Cuba, if they dock in Cuba, they're not legally allowed to dock anywhere in the United States for six months. So it's not completely lifted yet. I mean, they got crazy. Like they have like 250 percent import taxes. Yeah. It's fucking. It's fucked up. I. So what we did was we did we had three excursions. We did a, um, which you saw the picture of, we did a, um, a tour of Havana in a classic car, owned by a privately owned company. Um, we did a farm to table, where we basically went to a privately owned Cuban farm, and they toured us on the farm, they threw us a party afterwards, cooked lunch, it was fantastic. That was sounds like, so cool. It was really cool. So I'll actually send you pictures. And then the third one we went to, um, you've seen The Godfather too, right? You remember when, yes. they, were, when they were in Cuba? Yes. At the Hotel Nacional, we went to that hotel Wow. And saw a cabaret show there, which was cool as hell. Um, But again, it's all... She could have hopped off the boat because we docked in Havana. My wife as a Canadian, could have hopped off the boat and gone anywhere she wanted. There's no restrictions. I was the restriction as an American. I had to kind of jump through certain hoops. But, you know, we still got to see a lot of the country, a lot of Havana. It was beautiful. Where did you stay? Uh, we we, We cruised there, so we stayed on the ship. Okay. We stayed on the ship. That's nice. Yeah. Um... It's kind of fucked up, like... How poor is the country? Very poor. I mean, our three, our three tour guides, like I told you, one was a math professor, one was a lawyer, and one was a doctor. You know how much doctors make in Cuba per month? Take a guess. Well, they're like school teachers' the salary. What they have to do is actually... You have to go to school for something, and you have to... It's almost like, um, like in Israel, where you have to serve in the military for two years. Yeah. If you go to school to become a doctor or a lawyer, you have to basically work as an intern for three years making next to nothing and then it's the law, no matter what it is, whether you're a a professor, a lawyer, teacher, whatever, you have to work for three years for next to nothing and then you can practice doing what you're doing. But an average doctor makes like $30 a month. Wow. A month. A doctor. That's why, you know what, all these guys, all these people, guys and gals, they're getting into tourism. Yeah, because you guys are tipping them. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, you think about it. I mean, a doctor makes 30 bucks a month. Yeah, you could make that a tip on a tour. if One the tip right for one person. We had a yeah. busload full of people going yeah. places. There, you know, it's it's insane. Um, was it pretty? No. The, basically, the whole all the houses and dwellings kind of look like a demilitarized zone. Yeah. Um, there was some nice architecture, but the place is pretty fucking run down. I mean, it sucks because they're dealing with a very corrupt government, and they were caught geopolitically between two superpowers. For years and years and years, like yeah, but they made their decision. Of course, they made the decision. And now it's the it's the look, citizens that I feel for because they're good people and they're not making these decisions. Like, but, well,
0: but but again, that's that's the hardest part of this geopolitical stuff is that you have so Venezuela's got a lot of good people in it too. Sure, but the people at the top are making decisions that are fucking their people. Yeah. So you have these people at the top that are fucking the average person in their country, but. What are we going to do? If we reward the people, you're actually rewarding the shitty government. So you're stuck so, in this catch 22 where yeah. you
1: you care about the people, but the only way to actually care about the people is to change the government. True. It has to be from the top down. And, yes. and 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 it sucks because it's I mean, it's a small island. It's you know, it's 11 million people. It's a country the size the population of Manhattan. It's not a big country. No. And one of the things, I mean, it's technically a Caribbean island. And I didn't realize this until we got down there. I was expecting it to have more of a Caribbean feel. It's basically like if someone took Brazil and made... It's more South American Latin... Yes. ...than it is Caribbean. Yeah. It's kind of like Brazil is an island. The thing... Yeah,
0: Cuba's a tough one because... It, it's just history is so fucked up. It is fucked up. And... They got caught in the middle, but not really. Castro did his thing, and you know the people backed the horse that. Yeah, there was ended Batista. Batista
1: before him, and yeah. then Castro, and then his brother. Now, now they're having elections coming up. It's not. Yeah, a it's not an election. election, but
0: then at the same time, it's really tough because if we forgive them, if it's like just say the government, like Trump mm-hmm. says, hey, let's lift everything. Mm-hmm. It's free for all there's a lot of Cubans in America that went through some horrific shit yeah that are really upset that these people don't get what they feel they're they've got coming to them. yeah there's a lot of people that feel the the Cuban government really deserves everything negative that could come its way because of you know what the happened choices to them. they
1: made yeah they made they, they did make their own they made, they made their it's it's like anything else it's never simple it's always complicated but
0: there's no reparations that's the problem there's no, like when people want reparations it's just something that's like, it's so difficult to find that balance where the people of today have to be responsible for the people before them it's like what we were talking about
1: before the podcast yeah you know
0: yeah absolutely absolutely it's it's just so it's it's finding that balance like how how do you move forward in a respectful way i mean somebody's going to eat shit at some point yep if you want to
1: make real progress somebody's going to have to take it to the teeth yeah Always, I mean, any 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 immigrant group coming in, the Irish, the Italians, back in the day. Yeah. I mean, everybody started from the bottom, and everybody when they when they first came to this country were treated like pretty much they were second class, third class citizens. They treated them like shit. It doesn't I, matter who. Just something like Cuba. I don't
0: feel that. I personally don't feel that with the current government that it has mm-hmm. that. It should, and we should lift everything and let it be a free for all because those people won't go away. They'll just take that money and entrench themselves more. They'll exactly. create an environment where the corporations will come in and the tourists will come in, and they're going to benefit. The people will benefit too from the economy being able to change. But they're not going to. It'll trickle down, but it's not going to be to the benefit that yeah. the guys that fucked them for all these years yeah. are going to continue fucking you them. You got to get rid of the guys that are fucking. Got to get people. rid of the Castro's. Yeah. You got to get rid of the socialist government. Yeah. You got to get rid of them. But again, look at Russia, you know, communism goes away, but all the people that were in power during communism just took over as oligarchs. So, it's just it's tough, man. It's really tough. How do you how do you get these people out?
1: I don't have an answer for that. I don't, I don't either. Know. I don't think I don't think there, there is are an any real answers to that. I mean, you can't just go in and take them out. I mean, you can. When you have centuries of
0: behavior in a particular way and people used to things being the way they are, I mean, in Russia, if you look at the way that the population even backs Putin, we could talk all we want about Putin, but he really does have an overwhelming support of his people. Yes, he does. Because the Russian people have been trained a very long time to behave a particular way and they like strong leaders. mm mm-hmm it's a different culture than ours yeah we can't say i don't understand yeah you don't understand because you never fucking live there man you live in the united states and we have a particular vein of whatever we were talking about that before is that we we as a culture as americans tend to be more entrepreneurial more independent Mm -hmm. more aggressive more just we have a sense of freedom that there's not too many places in the world have the same ideas i mean we we come from the idea of a lawless land that we created our thing mm-hmm. so we have this
1: frontiersman mentality yep tame, no matter- the, tame the wild west go out and fucking grab it
0: yeah no matter what we do we're always going out into the frontier yeah. you know it was space it's technology it's what's it's next. business it's always something that we go after because we believe in manifest destiny we believe in controlling of our own destiny that mm-hmm. we have the freedom to do the things that we want to do to create the lives that we want to
1: create you know and that's a mentality that a lot of other countries don't understand, a lot of other cultures don't understand. No, because it's centuries of do what we tell you to do. Yeah. And it's
0: funny, Manifest Destiny in a lot of ways comes out is continues to come out of a culture that we're saying that's what you should do. Right. Because we're still controlled. It goes back to my feeling of being on the bus. I mean, we yeah. are trapped until you're eighteen years old. You're trapped in the education system. Yep. Doing what you're told to do. You get up you go to school you do your thing you go home if you don't do this you're not going to get a higher education if you don't do that you're not gonna be able to get a job whatever there's all these weird structures that we've created yeah i think a lot of these structures are going to get blown up over time now because i think that the availability of information is just going to change the way in which we have to educate i think the automation of a lot of the things that we do in life changes the amount of time we have to do things sure we're going to spend time differently we're going to think about things differently i said this the other day to somebody i said uh, you know one thing that so there's all these russian fighters that are coming out of the fucking hills that are fighting in the ufc and they're rising rather quickly and people right. are like how are they doing it i'm like well when they're thirsty they have to go they have to go to the river
1: mm-hmm. to get
0: their water when yeah. they're hungry they have to go kill something yeah. like these are people that are 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 coming up that way this is not it's a just completely different mentality we don't have to hunt and fish yeah. and do all this they stuff they have to literally fight for everything so for us our focus though because we don't have to we don't have to go to the river we don't have to hunt we don't have to do that stuff we have more time and more opportunity to go deeper on other things mm-hmm. so if we choose to go deeper on other things we could advance and, and you know continue to expanding on frontiers sure. or we could be lazy and just fill the free time with clutter and bullshit and distract ourselves. That's our choice. choice. That's really the choice. It's, yeah. You know, we're not going to go back to the stone ages. No. We're going to we're just going to either get fat and lazy or we're going to continue going for new frontiers. Yeah. That's why a lot of the things I see going on, especially the agendas that get pushed, you know, we talk, we were talking a little bit about this before, but you got a lot of people that want to take away the ideas of freedom that we were founded upon because they feel like we're good now. Yeah. you're good you don't You don't need that protection no. you don't need your gun to defend against the tyrannical government we don't have one well we could motherfucker Yeah. you could and I'm not sitting here like I'm not sitting here running a militia no you know I'm not sitting here like counting my bullets and
1: saying that fucking government I'm but just saying but it's at this saying, time when we need to make sure that that stays alive that yeah
0: that, you can't just because things are good today doesn't mean shit could get bad tomorrow yeah. and you have to have the protections in place so gotta that we can do it open. gotta yes. keep those eyes open gotta keep those eyes open Yes, you have, to, you have to be in that position that we started. That the, the reason why we have the longest standing constitution is because we, we really believed in it. We gave ourselves the ability to, to defend it, to have discussion about it. I mean, we were saying, you know, Canada doesn't even have free speech. That's mm-hmm. Canada. Mm-hmm. People are like, ah, oh, Canada, it's just like America with an accent. No, it's not. It's different. It's different. It's more of a socialist country than, than the United States is. It doesn't yeah. have the same freedoms that we have. Yeah. So, you know, it just, that's why I think to kind of pull it all back around, the importance of what we do as instructors is just putting people in a position where they're they're strong enough to be self-aware enough to make decisions for themselves and not get stuck in the herd allowing the social megaphone to be speaking for them. Or the herd to be pulling them in the directions that it wants them to go. And then trying to fake happiness. Well, I'm where everyone told me to be, so
1: I should be happy. So I'll just fucking smile, even though I'm really not comfortable right now. Yeah. I think that's one of the most important things that you touched on. It's learning, teaching people how to think for themselves. Not just do this, do this, do this, do this.
0: Well, have the strength to recognize that. Yeah. Because you can speak for yourself. But there's a strength that is required to be able to really stand up for that yeah because a lot of people say shit and then people question they go yeah you're right I'll shut up now right but if you really believe you believe
1: yeah
0: you know that's like uh, there's so many things that are like you have to be willing to die for something and yeah I mean uh, what's the
1: there's the quote it's um. Okay. The if you if you don't stand for if you if you yeah stand for everything you don't stand for nothing. I know the quote you're talking about. What is it? Well, oh, it's the friend one. It's uh, if you're a friend to everyone, you're really a friend to no one. Yeah, that's a version of it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So that that's what I think Aristotle or Socrates said. Yeah. So that that that's again that goes back to ancient Greek culture. The idea the idea of the herd mentality has always been here. The, yeah. the struggle to to maintain our individuality while the entire world is trying to tell us to be what it wants us it's to be. It's the human
1: condition. It's been yeah. around since forever.
0: And and there every there is not a single instance in science to show uh, that struggle is not the best way. Every single thing we do is breaking down and rebuilding. Everything. Mm-hmm. On a cellular level. Yeah. I mean, just everything, struggle makes us better. Yeah. So that's why if, you know, we're all trying to, the herd will pull you into that
1: idea of being safe, but you're not safe, you're weak. I mean, even globally, I mean, extinction level events, the world breaks down and it rebuilds itself again. We've had how many? Yeah. Um, I think maybe like a half a dozen or a dozen where meteors hit the, the world, that's when the dinosaurs died, but it wasn't even just 65 million years ago. It was like every couple of million years, it's like everything gets cleared the fuck out
0: and then rebuilds
1: and it rebuilds again yes it's like us it's
0: just adversity is what makes us adversity is what makes us evolve i mean think about it i mean we were talking about my fights that i lost that i'm most proud of what was i celebrating i was celebrating my ability to deal with adversity and that's what gave me the confidence to grow as a human
1: being where do you think you and i would be right now if we were comfortable our entire lives we wouldn't be here no we'd be fat drunk whatever i don't know
0: wouldn't I wouldn't be. have my wife, I wouldn't have my kids, I wouldn't have my business, I wouldn't have the friends I have. I wouldn't have anything that I have. I'd have something else. Yeah. And I would probably and I don't know if I would be self-aware enough to even question what I had at that time.
1: You wouldn't not, yeah, it's like being in the Matrix. Yeah. Pretty That's much.
0: why, but again, why was The Matrix such a popular movie? Because everybody fucking gets it. Yeah. You get it. Sure. You may not want to address it, but your fucking lizard brain saw that movie and was like, oh, my God. That guy got unplugged. Holy shit. Yeah. And then some people just watched the movie and unplugged by watching the movie. And then some people really were like, fuck, maybe I need to unplug. Like, whatever. But why do we see? Why are adversity movies? Why is Rocky so fucking popular? Because everybody wants to be able to get back up. Yeah. Everybody does. Yep and not everybody will but everybody does everybody wants it but not everybody's willing to do it Mm -hmm. so the ones that are really not able to do it just keep watching the movie yeah You know, some people are inspired to do. Some people are just inspired to sit and watch other people do it. That's why video games are so popular. That's why movies are so popular. That's why consuming of media is so popular because we can live vicariously.
1: If if you don't have the strength, you can live vicariously through others.
0: But we're all inspired by it. Some of us are inspired to watch more. Some people are inspired to do more. Do, Do more, and that's it. Yeah. But that's again, that's that's just what keeps proving the fucking point. You know so is what it is all Indeed. right i've got a lot of background noise going on hey We've at least at while. least
1: it's not a man grunting like our first podcast oh my God. you remember that <laughs> yeah
0: that was that was officially the gay podcast <laughs> yeah no offense yeah, no no offense to anyone
1: no that
0: Nor was offense, funny. i don't give a fuck yeah you don't care so mike here's the deal tomorrow is tuesday 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 and thursday at 5 30 we're gonna we're gonna start getting kids uh doing some work so we're going to start a karate program at Killer B, Tuesday and Thursday at five thirty this week. Yep. We're going to solidify our hours going forward
1: over the weekend, yep. and we'll, uh, we'll get a Striking, strength and conditioning, self defense. Get the yeah. kids moving, have some fun, get some music. Yeah.
0: So this month, going a little bit of trial times, uh, you know, doing the marketing, getting the kids in the door, and then May the official program really will start. It's it's big launch and uh, yeah. So. Mike, we are very happy to have you on board. Happy I to be here. I wouldn't have brought you on board if I, if I didn't believe you fit into the culture of what we do. I and wouldn't
1: be here if I didn't believe in what you do. So, so you yeah. know, it's, it's
0: all good. It's, it's, a, it's a very good partnership in development here.
1: Indeed. And people can follow you where? Uh, right now, East Coast Martial Arts on Instagram and Facebook and mike mcintosh on facebook i haven't made any um announcements yet on my social we got to talk about that okay right now everything is just status quo gotcha so i'm gonna we'll chat about that yeah later so, on.
0: yeah you'll be on we'll talk more and you all can find us through killer BCSA on instagram on twitter killerbcsa.com. you can find the podcast at thehivecast.com. And you can find me at BrianWright732 on Instagram, on Twitter. You can find me on Facebook, all over the place. So, Mike, it had was a great pleasure. time today. Likewise. Nice talk,
1: and uh, we're out. You got it, brother.